your Bibles this morning while you're standing to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. So I, I want to really quick say something to Bonnie and those that serve uh, in prison ministry um, through not just the monthly visits like Miss Felicia and her team at the Kairos. Um, talking about starting to cry. When she said she, what she did about you discipled me. You forget that your efforts, our efforts, are multiplied through other people. And Tip, hearing that testimony and hearing someone quote a part of our mission statement, she said, mend the broken. Y'all mended me. Well, now we're sending the whole. And Tip, you grab that mic and you tell them about Jesus. And those, those mean ones, you go, shut your mouth. I can go toe-to-toe with you. Sit down and straighten them up. And this is not for show, uh, and I know we'll have visitors here, but Bonnie, whatever the cost is, we're covering it. And it's just a matter of you participating if you want to. So whatever it is, you let us know. It's, it's covered. So Mark 16, verse 15, And Jesus said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall not, he shall be damned. And these signs will follow them that believe. They don't follow the signs. The signs just come up from behind them. Those that believe. In my name they cast out devils. Power. They shall speak with new tongues. Power. They will take up serpents. Power. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Power. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Power. These signs follow those that believe in his name. Those that believe in his name, they, they embrace everything that he is. Savior, embrace. King, they kneel. God Almighty, they trust. The, Jesus, the baptizer and the Holy Spirit, they receive. I want to finish, if the Lord will allow this morning, if the rains will, won't hinder us. Uh, I want to finish our talk, if you will. It's not so much a sermon on praying in the Spirit. Um, I grew up in a, a church where you preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which the point was to make it happen in the moment. Very little teaching. Some of you were, grew up in a church where they didn't talk about it at all. Anybody here? Can I have an amen that they was, grew up? Some opposed it. Well, we're just going to systematically look through the Scripture. It is very important if you're here today and you weren't here two weeks ago, go get that lesson because they go together. And some of your questions from today will probably be covered in the first part. And before you're seated, I want to read this to you. If the Word of God makes it possible to know God accurately, then it is the Spirit of God that gives you the capacity to know Him intimately. Our text shows us that the Apostle Paul saw the ability to pray in the Spirit. This is last week, 1 Corinthians 14. To be able to pray in the Spirit was available, was desirable. It was worthy of respect. It was spiritually beneficial and more than a common practice for him personally and the church. The problem in Corinth was not that they spoke with tongues, but that they preferred themselves to others. Paul was trying to preserve the practice through correction, not prohibit it in condemnation. If I were the devil, I'll keep saying this over and over. If I could keep you from anything this side of the cross, I would keep you from the fullness of the Spirit and from a prayer language that God's made available for you. 
As we look at it line upon line and precept upon precept, you're going to see that being sealed with the Spirit, we talked about before, is different than being baptized with the Spirit. When you're saved, you're sealed. You're given the earnest of the Spirit to identify you. But the ability to pray in the Spirit is totally different than the supernatural gift of speaking in tongues in public. One is for public edification. One is for private edication. And so as we search the scripture this morning, I just want you to, to be open. Uh, I'm not going to try to convince you. We're just going to read it together. And are we in agreement that the word is the final say? And if God says this promise is to you and to your children and to your children's children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord God shall call. If that's his word, it doesn't matter how many people act crazy saying this is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit looks like. Their craziness does not nullify the word of God. We've told you before that the weird is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But supernatural is a characteristic. So Father, I just humble myself this morning and I pray that you bring captive every stray thought in my mind. Allow me to speak and teach with a clarity. Let there be an anointing on my words that rings true in the heart of the believer. It rings true. They say, that's truth. Guide us into all truth, Holy Spirit. Bring us into the fullness of, of understanding that we might walk in your perfect will. And let us be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but let us be filled with the Spirit. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Being filled with the Spirit. And I thank you for this opportunity that's mine, God, today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to take just a few moments and just read through the major points. I will not expound on them from two weeks ago and uh, give that to you before I do our lesson today. What praying in the Spirit is not. Praying in the Spirit is not praying with an unction. It's not, boy, he was fiery. He was praying in the Spirit. Now, you can recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit in sincere, authentic, powerful prayers. But praying in the Spirit, Paul was very clear. He said, so what will I do? He said, I will pray with, in the Spirit, and I'll pray with my understanding. So he contrasts that praying in the Spirit means among other things, that I don't understand what I'm praying in that moment. The common theme throughout the book of Acts, Acts 2, 4, 8, 9, 10, 19, it either says that when they were filled with the Spirit, they spoke with other tongues, or it infers that they did. Somewhere in the Pentecostal charismatic movement, that became the goal. But it's not the goal, but it's the common initial physical evidence that one was filled with the Spirit. They would say to themselves, well, shouldn't we baptize them, seeing that God has filled them with the Spirit as us? It wasn't just on the day of Pentecost. It continued on and on. And uh, Anyone read that Max Lucado, longtime wonderful author of many Christian books, he recently received the baptism of the Holy Spirit by himself. He said, I, I read in the scripture where it said, earnestly desire spiritual gift. And, and he said, I, I don't do that. So he just began asking the Lord. So here's this cessationist that believes all the gifts stopped with the apostles and none of this was for today and by himself was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said, and I heard myself start praying in tongues. I'm thinking, what meaneth this? You know, 
And, and, and there's, there's a divisive line, but it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. It's, praying in the Spirit is not a mark of maturity. It's the operation of a grace that God made available to us. That we might experience in Him in a supernatural, not mystical way. It is not God talking to us, the Scripture says in 1 Corinthians, but us talking to God. And those of us that grew up in church where every message in tongues was God speaking to us. The Bible says if I'm speaking in an unknown tongue in the context of prayer or in the church, I'm speaking mysteries to God. So how is it when they interpret that it's God talking to us? So see, the Scripture messes everybody up. It messes the Pentecostals up and the non-Pentecostals. Well, let me give you, y'all are quiet but so today. So. Let me give you one that I was taught incorrectly, okay? It says in Romans 8, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts, which is Christ, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I was taught that when I prayed in tongues, that was the groanings of the Spirit, which cannot be uttered. So how could my praying in tongues be the Holy Spirit praying for me when that which the Holy Spirit, those groanings he prays with, cannot be uttered? See, it's important that you have the Word of God as your foundation because we don't want to fall under a Pentecostal charismatic banner that can just take verses out of context, nor do we want to fall under a mainline denominational banner. We want to search the Scriptures like the Bereans and see what it says. So Jesus, who searches the hearts, knows what's the mind of the Spirit. And when the Spirit prays for me with groanings, that's different from me praying in the Spirit. What praying in the Spirit is not. It's not primarily exclusively a supernatural way for men to share the gospel. It's not the same as the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues requires interpretation for the edification of the church. But, but when I pray in a an, in an, in, in, in spiritual language that I don't know, that it doesn't have to be interpreted for my spirit prayeth. And Jesus, who knows the heart of man, knows what it is that I am praying. And God the Father knows what it is. It is not repulsive. But it is in fact an incredibly tender, beautiful, holy expression. And the devil makes certain that up front and through media that all you see is the, the fleshly and the carnal demonstration. And it's his motive. So if you see that, you say, well, I don't want that. Well, I don't want that either. That's closer to demon possession. But just because something is paraded around altars of churches and says that's the fullness of the Spirit should not cause us to turn away from that which is God's will. That alone should end the, the, the discussion for you. Be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord? Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. But praying in the Spirit is not a status symbol. It's not a sign of maturity. It's not a sign of great gifting, superiority, or leadership. It's a grace made available whereby 
the brand new believer up to the oldest can communicate with God in a language that they do not know to a God they have not seen. And it bypasses, it bypasses the mind. Now this is where people lose it and they get all, see, see, I don't want to check out of my mind. It's not transcendental. God doesn't stick his hand in you like a puppet and, and you don't have any control. But with my mind, I won't talk about you because y'all are good Pharisees. I'll talk about me. Uh, with my mind, I pray carnal prayers. I pray prayers that aren't altogether pure. They have self mixed in with them with righteous rhetoric. But when my spirit prays, it bypasses every carnal element of my flesh and it prays the will of God. My spirit prays the will of God. That's why it's the will of the Lord. And the, the more full you are with the spirit, you'll find that that portion of your prayer life, Paul said, do both. Speak with your understanding and in the spirit. The more I pray in the spirit, I find my prayers of understanding are curtailed. They're made more pure, more God-centered, more service-oriented. Praying in the Spirit is not unbiblical. It's not outdated. It's not unnecessary. And it's not a substitute for loving people, for being Christ-centered, for humility, for kindness, for service, nor generosity. It's not any of those things. So this morning, for just the next few moments, I want to talk to you about what it is. Praying in the Spirit is the ability of every Spirit-filled believer to communicate with God in a language that they do not know. The tongue, the unruly evil. No man can tame it. Isn't it funny that the most common manifestation of those filled with the Holy Spirit is, and they spoke with new tongues, and they spoke with new tongues. These signs will follow those. It was never the goal. That's how you know you've missed it. That's how frustration comes in and, and production comes in when tongues is the goal. No, no, but I know it happens because the scripture says it. The goal, the goal is to be filled with God. That's the goal. And the ability to pray in tongues you know, I heard a preacher stand up one time and he read the scripture where it says, forbid not to speak in tongues. And he said, well, what the scripture really means is forbid to speak in tongues. Well, through his bias. And I've heard Pentecostal charismatics preach and, and preach in such a way that if someone doesn't pray in the spirit, then they're second class citizens of heaven, which is not right at all. We, when we are saved... Someone told me once, they said, I thought I received the Holy Spirit when I believed. You did. You received the earnest of the Spirit. You were sealed with the Spirit until the day of redemption. You were marked, identified. And, and that, that earnest is available to you till you cash in for the full redemption. It's how God identifies believers. The Lord knows those who are His. That earnest of the Spirit. But that identification was for you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power gifts of the Holy Spirit are for others. Why would I want to be edified so I can serve you? Why do I want to have power so I can pray for you? Teach, preach, those things. Praying in the Spirit. 
It is, a, it is a mysterious yet scriptural thing. It says in verse 2b of 1 Corinthians 14, No man understands him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. So when you, when you take the gift of tongues, which is for public edification, and you blend it with praying in tongues, which are two different things, one requires interpretation, one does not. That's where our non-Pentecostal brothers struggle because they say, well, the praying in tongues was solely for the preaching of gospel to the different nationalities on the day of Pentecost. Have you ever heard that? That's, that's what the whole reason for it was. Then what is Paul saying for no man understands him? They said, we heard them speaking the mighty works of God. They weren't preaching the gospel. They were speaking in an unknown tongue, and they were allowed to hear in their own languages. Uh, there were 500 plus in the upper room, maybe 20-something people said they heard in their own language. But they understood what they were saying. But when I speak to God, it said, for no man understands him. So how can the corporate gift of tongues, where people understood them, be the same as me praying in tongues, where no man understands them? Do you see? 1 Corinthians 14.2. 14, how being in the Spirit, they speak mysteries. When I pray in the Spirit at home, my understanding is not benefited, but my spirit is energized and edified. And I don't have to know what I'm saying when I'm praying in the Spirit because I know what I'm saying when I pray in English. Paul said, do both. Don't just be one or the other, but do both. For me, and again, what makes this so hard to teach on is that we didn't get any interviews in the Bible with people after they were filled with the Spirit and they spoke with tongues. So how'd you feel about that? How'd you feel after that? What'd you kinfolks think? Uh, do, you, do you find it a relief? No one talked about it. The Bible doesn't record. It just said that they did. And so in his wisdom, he left it open for us to experience that. Now listen to your pastor. Any experience... Every experience that God gives you will not go outside the lines of the scriptures. They will not cross the lines of the scriptures. Amen? Y'all are so quiet today. It will never violate the scriptures. So when I pray in the spirit, I'm speaking mysteries unto God. So how this works personally for me, when you're praying for your child and you don't know what else to pray. So then I pray in the spirit. Because my mind, I don't know what else to ask you about my daughter, Lord, or about my son. And I don't know how else to ask you about the wisdom. So I pour my petition out to you. Now I pray in the Spirit so that it can cover the things which my mind does not understand. It is the supernatural ability to speak in a language that we do not know. But our spirit expresses freely and in accordance with God's perfect will. You cannot pray ignorant, selfish, wayward, carnal, or rebellious prayers in the Spirit. What do you mean? You know those prayers you pray so you can get your way? We don't pray those in the Spirit. 
That's why we do both. We make sure that we pray. Here's another one that's misconstrued. In verse 21 of 1 Corinthians 14, it says, In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people. And yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. I had someone tell me one time, they said, well, your, your understanding of, of praying in the Spirit and your speaking in tongues, it's not for you. It's for a sign to those that don't believe. That's what the Scripture says. Will y'all look in your Bible to this for me? 1 Corinthians 14, 21. Can we put that on the screen? 1 Corinthians 14, 21. In the law is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people. I want you to see that in your Bible. Unto this people. And yet for all this they will not hear me, says the Lord. Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. In the law it is written. That's the Old Testament, correct? Come on, talk to me. Okay. With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people. Which people? The Jews. For with unknown tongue and other lips will I speak to this people. And even for all of this they will not hear, hear me. Therefore tongues are for a sign not to them that believe but to them that believe not. The day of Pentecost when men began to speak with tongues for the first time. It was a sign to the Jews that did not believe that Christ was Messiah. Because God is pouring out his spirit now upon the Gentile. And the mystery of the church expanding outside of just the Jewish community, but engrafting us in. Aren't you glad he engrafted us in? Okay. It was a sign to them with lips of other people and other tongues would he speak to this people. It's not, the, my, me praying in the spirit is not a sign to the unbeliever. This in the book of Acts, chapter 2, that was a sign to the unbeliever. And I'll show you in a moment. Praying in the Spirit is for my personal edification, for the construction, the reconstruction, and the building up of my soul. It is a powerful thing. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. That's verse 4. You know what that word edifies means? It means that they are an architect, a builder. They, they construct and reconstruct their selves. Praying in the Spirit does construction in my soul. I don't understand that. I'm just telling you what the Scripture says. When I pray in my own language, prayers of petition, prayers of gratitude, that's communication. But when I pray in the Spirit, my very soul is fortified. And strengthened and solidified. Steel beams are put in place. It is a construction term. It's not just, oh, edified, feel good. No, made more solid. Now, you can get mad with me. You can, you know, I'm, I'm done with Pastor John. I'm done with the church. I'm just telling you my experience, okay? This is not doctrine. This is my experience. The people I respect most in this world just so happen to be spirit-filled. Get to the end of their life. 
the people that I know that are spirit-filled and that have a spiritual expression to God with, with the fullness of the Spirit and the ability to speak in tongues. They're not selfish people when they get to the end of their life. And it's not that you have to be spirit-filled. My question is, why would we not want to be? Why would we not want, if God gave me the earnest of His Spirit when I was saved, why would I not want the fullness of His Spirit? That doesn't make any sense. Full. They used to say when we were growing up, all us whitey people, you're full of it. And they would pick the adjective. We're filled with something. We're either filled with self or religious ideas or, or ourselves or carnal things or the Holy Spirit. It is a powerful thing. Oh, God, publicly, I thank you for it. Where would I have been if I couldn't pray when my mind ran out of things to say? And I, you prayed, you, you inspired me to pray this way. And I felt my soul coming back together. I felt tenacity rise up in my heart. I felt a resolve. I felt a determination. Old perspectives passed and new perspectives came in all by the power of your spirit. It was not by might. It was not by my own power, but by God's spirit that these things happened. It is a personal thing. Although it can happen in groups, the Bible shows us in, in the book of Acts how it happened in groups. It can happen to one person at a time, but it's unique to every individual. It's a personal thing. I remember sitting in my floor by myself in my apartment. I put my dog outside and unplugged my phone. Y'all young, look that up on Google when you unplugged your phone. And I sat in the floor and I said, Lord, I don't know what to believe. My brother don't believe that this is available. My mom does. But I have been filled with the devil all my life. And I just want to be filled with you. That's what I want. That's what I want. And because of the foolishness I've seen... I was hesitant, but I felt that stammering lip, if you will, that um, all I had to do was put volume to it, and I uttered just a few syllables, and you know, you know what the voice of the devil is, don't you, for you? Just like we know the voice of God. Oh, that was beautiful. Oh, John, that was tones. Do it again. Do it again. And it dawned on me, sitting right there in my floor, the father of lies why would he ever tell me and mock me for it unless it was genuine? So about a week later, I'm in the old Shark, 1971 Cutlass Convertible, 226,000 miles on it. I'm turning in that deadly, horrible, no engineer within a 100-mile split where you go 16 straight and right to Hardeman Avenue. I don't know what they're doing now. You could wind up in Guam on one of those exits. I don't I All I know is they've had construction going on since I was a teenager, and I'm 60. That's all I know to tell you. 75 will not be done before the millennium. It will not. I remember I took that turn with my little cassette player in my car. I was playing Christian music, and I just felt his presence, and I just started speaking in tongues. And... The joy 
of the Lord was so strong on me and in me. I couldn't be any more saved than I was the day that I surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus. This wasn't about salvation. This was about glory. This was about power. Pure, ecstatic, joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I just prayed in tongues. Just prayed in the car. And by the way, Pentecostals, one hand on the wheel, one hand up. Keep one hand on the wheel. God will not drive for you. He won't do that. And I just remember that release and the people that tried to talk me out of it. I remember someone very close to me and, and hear me when I'm telling you. I'm trying to give you the most honest duplication of the story that I can. This person was a beautiful God-fearing man of God, loved the Lord, had an incredible ministry. He just didn't believe that this was for today, that Jesus was everything that he was, except he was no longer the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. That was the only caveat. And he gave this person a, a, a piggly wiggly sack, those brown paper bags full of dead books that why what John has is not of God. And the person <laughs> kept the books, read some of them, and watched me for about six months. And they said, I knew him before. And you'd have been closer if you said he had the devil before. But the one time now that he loves the Lord with all his heart. The one time now where the Bible is his go-to. It's the preeminent standard. He evangelizes. He goes into the hospital and walks the halls and prays for people. Now you're going to tell me he's demon-possessed? And then I read up on the scriptures and it said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Well, I'm scared I'll get a demon. Well, if your child asks you for uh, bread, you're going to give him a scorpion? No, he said, well, your father's not going to give you a demon. I'm just scared I'm going to get a demon. I'm not talking to the devil asking him for something. I'm talking to God. And he said he would give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. It's a personal thing for me. Yeah, I take offense when people say that, that, that that's demonic. Don't you talk about the, my Lord's precious gift that way. You don't have to believe. That's up to you. But I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the cross. I'm not ashamed of, of his spirit. I'm not ashamed of the gifts. I, what he did for me in redemption has nothing to do with the gifts. I'm not ashamed of how he bled and died and they stretched him wide and hung him high. I'm not ashamed that he's the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Not ashamed. He's the exclusive redeemer. I'm not ashamed. And I'm not ashamed that after that, he would provide a fullness for me. Now that I'm in Christ and Christ himself is the baptizer. Y'all remember the man that baptized you or the woman that baptized you in church? They were the baptizer. Well, how can you be so sure? Because they baptized me. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world, whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's what he said. Well, no, he don't do that anymore. Yes, he does. And he baptized me. In July of 1986, in my apartment, by myself, and gave me the ability to speak in tongues, for which I am so grateful. God grant us, God grant our church 
a move of your spirit that's not only not ashamed of the gifts, but we're not making them paramount. We just want them to be here. We want them to be in us and of us and the ability to pray in the spirit. I keep saying this over and over too because when we get to heaven, I'm going to say, I told you so. Uh, the Bible doesn't say it, but I believe that when we get to heaven, we all speak in tongues. I, th I think it's all the different... God doesn't speak English when we get to heaven, you know, and God's not speaking Hebrew. I'm sorry. Uh, Abraham does. God speaks God. And what if we all had our own dialect and we each understood each one another? So if we get to heaven, I'm wrong. I'm going to tell you, I forget it. But if it's, if it's right, I'm going to tell you, it's real. It's a progressive thing. Look in your Bible, if we could put this on the screen too. Jude 1, verse 20. Jude 1, verse 20. Are you there? But you, beloved. So who do you think he's talking to? The church or the world? So people that have already received the earnest of the Spirit, right? Build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost or the Spirit. First of all, there's a couple of things I want to bring to your attention in that verse. That means that you can pray some unholy prayers, right? Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Not all faith is as holy as other faith is, right? But you, that word build up means edify, construct yourself. Build up your faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But there's also a way to edify ourselves and our faith here. Praying in the Holy Ghost. And we, if you have a basic reading of scripture, you understand that praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost is not praying with sincerity. Although you are sincere when you pray. It's praying without understanding what it is you're praying. It's a needful thing. Pastor John, all right, I'm considering what you're saying. How can you say it's a needful thing when I'm saved and secure and Christ is coming to get me at his return? Because he made it available to you. For you, to your children and to your children's children. He said, John, this will, this will help build yourself up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Spirit. John, when you pray in the Spirit, you're going to speak mysteries to me. And Jesus, who knows your heart, is going to interpret that. And I'm going to hear those prayers and I'm going to answer them. John, I want you to understand what my will is. I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The tongues follow the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not the goal. The initial evidence. If our musician would come, please. Can I tell you just a cute kind of by story? How many of y'all raised Assembly of God, Church of God, Assembly of God? Okay. One of, me too. That's all I've, ever, all I've ever known. Cut my teeth on. Their mantra, our mantra, is that one of the statements, fundamental statements of belief is that tongues is the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues. But most of what I was exposed to when I was a young Christian was that it was the goal. I mean, it was just the end all. Not fruitfulness, not effectiveness, not faithfulness, not kindness, 
uh, I, I kind of saw the fruit of the Spirit as important too, you know. But the evidence, don't put the word goal where, where the word evidence is. It was the first thing people saw. And there's no way around it. Look through the book of Acts and it says, and we knew that the Holy Spirit had been given to them. Not eternal life, but the Holy Spirit had been given to them because we heard them speak with tongues. We heard them speak with tongues. We heard nobody. I wish they'd have interviewed somebody, but they didn't. And, and they, they heard them um, speak with tongues. But in the Bible, sorry, give me just a moment. Just lost my place. I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. I lost my place. What was I just saying, Kelly? Hmm? Not the goal. But there was no denying that it was the thing that followed. So. I'm going, this is a hundred years ago. I'm going, thank you very much. I'm going to my interview to get ordained with the Assemblies of God. And they said, so how are you on the fundamental truths? I said, I'm good. 16 of them, gotcha. Bible's inspired word of God. The depravity of me, I gotcha. How are you on the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I said, I'm good. Been filled. Jesus baptized me. And they said, do you believe that, that tongues is the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I said, I do. So would you say that if someone had not spoke with tongues, they weren't spirit-filled? I said, no, I can't say that. So what do you mean? I thought you said you believe that the initial physical evidence of the... And here's what I'm trying to... I'm so limited, guys, but I'm trying to get you to think for yourself. Don't, don't be pigeonholed. They said, I thought you believed that the initial physical evidence was tongues. I said, I do. I believe that every spirit-filled believer can. But some don't. Some are so self-aware. Some are so scared of what they've seen before that they don't allow themselves to. And, and, and the guy told me, and we did this like three or four times. And these are wonderful godly men. So I'm, I'm not slandering them in any capacity. He said, so what you're saying, Brother Wood? And he would say his sentence. I said, no, sir. I'm just saying that I don't think that everyone that's been spirit-filled has spoke with tongues yet. So what you're saying is, we did that dance like four or five times. You lead, I lead. You lead, I lead. And I said, Pastor, riddle me this. You said that uh, no one that hasn't spoke with tongues is spirit-filled. He said, yes. I said, well, what about a mute person? that has no tongue. And here's this uneducated young boy. I just, it's got to make sense. It's got to line up with the scriptures. It's got to be logical. I said, if he doesn't have a tongue, how does he pray in tongues? Hmm. He said, never had that one posed to me. I said, it's just an idea. I'm just, because truth has no exceptions, right? So there are people that have been spirit-filled and do not yet know the beauty, the joy, the glory, the power, the personal release, the edification, the construction, the insight, the intimacy of praying in the Spirit. 
And all you have to do, don't, don't let anybody get around you and shake you and push you to the ground. The first 10 years of our church, I told them every Sunday, if anybody ever comes up to you and pushes you on the head, you turn around, push them to the ground, stand over them and say, Pastor John said to do that to you. God don't need no help. No. But it's real. It's, it's beautiful. And if I could wave a wand over you, The goal of teaching two weeks on praying in the Spirit is this. I wanted to be the guy that they didn't interview in the Bible and tell you how it happened. So I'm going to close with this. I asked in faith. When you, when you asked Christ to forgive you of your sins, you asked in faith and you believe he did what you said. No signs, no angelic choir coming. You're saved. You're saved. I just believe that whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord was saved, right? So everyone that asketh receiveth. Everyone that seeketh findeth. And everyone to him that knocketh shall be opened. And this spake he of the Spirit. So if I were in the New Testament and you interviewed me, said, how did it happen? I just believed and then by myself, I encourage you to be by yourself. Say, Lord, I believe that when I asked you to fill me with the Holy Spirit, just like when I asked you to save me, I believe you saved me. And when I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit, I believe, Jesus, you will take me and immerse me into your power and your strength. And when I come up, I'll have the ability to speak with tongues. This is how it happened for me. This is not a doctrine. And whatever is there. You just put volume to it. Well, it just sounds like gibberish. Most unknown languages do. I didn't know what I was saying. I remember, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I asked my mama. I'd stand beside her in church. I said, mama, does mine sound right? I was a brand new believer. I didn't know. She goes, what? I said, when, when I do, you know, when I pray in tongues, she said, Johnny, yours sounds just like it's supposed to sound. And I was like, stop comparing myself to other people. Oh, I wish for you. I'm sorry for what you've seen. I'm sorry for what you've been taught in error on both sides. But it's available. And it's not, it doesn't make you strange. It makes you spiritual. I'll tell you one quick story. I'm going to let you go home. I know we went longer today, but I had to finish. We couldn't do part three. There's a pastor I know. I heard him tell the story of friends of his that were in the bush in Africa. And when I tell you in the bush, I mean like, you know, instead of seeing a German shepherd in the yard, you go, there's a rhino, you know, <laughs> there's a leopard, you know, in the bush. And the pastor's wife was really, really struggling. And um, she said, Lord, I'm just, I'm ready to go home. I just, I've, I've been here so many years. And, uh, and see, when I tell you this story, this isn't an appeal. And it, it's not, I'm not trying to connect it to this is going to be your experience. Just understand that God is great and powerful and he knows us individually is what I'm trying to tell you. 
She said, I'm just ready to go home. I said, Lord, I'm ready to sit down and talk with someone that I understand what they're saying. This is with a friend, a cup of coffee. And she said, that night, this, this is how my Lord is. She said, that night, a little boy walked in about nine or ten years old. Had his little loincloth and his staff or stick there. And he walked into the back of their little service. And he come in and he laid it down and he lifted his hands. And look, she was at the front, so he was looking past her. But he, he lifted his hands and he said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And she said, When I realized what was happening, <laughs> she said, I just fell forward and I felt the Lord says, it's, it's not English you need to hear. You just need to hear my voice. That's all, that's all you need. So whether it's English, German, if it's the Lord, and if it's the Lord near us, that little boy was just speaking unto God. He didn't know what he was saying. No one in the room knew what he was saying but her. So don't get hung up on the... Uh, you, you prayed a prayer in tongues. You got to get the interpretation. Not for my prayer. I don't, I'm not talking to men. Now, if I start speaking in tongues in church, there needs to be an interpreter so that you can be edified. It's not that it's a sin to speak in tongues. But John, if there's no interpreter, let them keep silent in the church. Comma, not period. Comma. And let them speak to themselves and to God. Let them keep silent in the church. And let them speak to themselves and unto God. Would you stand with me this morning? In this last hour, and we are the terminal generation. In this last hour before the return of Jesus Christ, we're going to need every bit of God that we can hold Every bit of his anointing, every bit of his spirit, every bit of the understanding of God's word. Whatever you can fit in there, we need it. We need that fullness. You need it for discernment. You need it for strength, for edification. Earnestly desire the gifts. Be filled with the Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit. And don't be embarrassed when the beginning part of your expression sounds kind of like a little kid learning how to speak. That's what it is. The maturation will come and you will be fluent in a language that only God understands. Uh, Jason, would you come? I know you got a quick announcement, and if you'll just pray over us. This morning, um, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for His Word. Thankful for His Spirit. I'm thankful that He's baptized me into His Spirit thankful for the empowerment the strength the comfort I'm, I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit 
does what he does to carry me through. Are you thankful for that this morning? I'm thankful for a pastor that faithfully exposits the word and rightly divides the word of truth to bring clarity. I'm thankful this morning. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your spirit, for your guidance, for the redemption and love that you show us, God. I pray that you draw each of us closer to you. And any, anything between us and you would be identified and dealt with. And that we would walk in the fullness of your spirit for your glory, for the building up of your body and the advancement of your kingdom. We love you and honor you, Lord. Amen. Before you go, I have two quick announcements. One, I encourage you to support Kairos in any way that you can. They have baskets out at the back and a table up at the top of the foyer. Also, we are starting C4, Christ Chapel College and Career is our young adult ministry, ages 18 to 30. We have an information lunch in the grill right now after service. Lunch is provided. Uh, we'll be up there to share more information about that with you. So if you have any young adults in your family uh, or would like more information about that, please come see us. Y'all have a blessed Lord's Day.